This podcast contains our own personal views not associated with any organisation. Coronial contains descriptions of death inquests that may be graphic and disturbing to some listeners. Discretion is advised. Welcome back to Coronial. I'm Georgie. I'm Emma. And I'm Alice. And this week, I'm going to tell you guys about the inquest of David Gad, Cameron Gujari, and Nazir Anwari. And uh, I may be butchering some of those names, and I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) I may not have done well. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, shall we just crack on? I feel like yes. we've not been very good at the whole like intro combo, but yeah. I'm really just dive in. I, yeah, who needs an in. intro combo? Just get straight to the point. We're not going to sidetrack and talk for 20 minutes before. You yeah, do that. that actually really we've already done when that. People on podcasts do that. Really? All right, yeah. well, let's jump on in. In 2015, three coronial inquests into the death of David Gad, Cameron Gujari, and Nazir Anwari were held concurrently. The deaths of these young gentlemen were, were investigated together due to the commonality in the circumstances of their death. Between 2012 and 2014, each of these men died as a result of saltwater drowning from entering beaches in Encounter Bay near Victor Harbour in South Australia. Interesting, right? Three people just mysteriously drown in Encounter Bay. Yeah, well, we get to the... Well, it's not mysteriously. Uh-huh. Just to clarify. <laughs> we're not doing a true crime podcast. Do we remember that bit? <laughs> true. Sad. So, starting with David Gadd, he was 28 when he died in 2012. He lived in Encounter Bay and was able to swim and recently received a mask and snorkel from his mother, which is super adorable. That's really cute. (laughs) However, David was known not to be a confident swimmer. On the day of his death, David rode his bike to Depps Beach, which is a secluded beach west of Encounter Bay, uh, west of the bluff in Encounter Bay. And it can only be accessed on bike or foot. And it is known to contain two permanent outgoing currents or rips. At the time of his death, Depp's Beach did not contain any signage to warn those attending the dangers that may be encountered should they choose to swim in the adjacent ocean. Uh, moreover, it had not previously been known to be associated with any drownings. I assume there were no lifeguards. Like, this wasn't a... It was an isolated beach. and secluded, could only get there by walking. So, yeah, so no, definitely not patrolled. No, no yeah. patrols whatsoever. Um, and you know, it wasn't really known for you to go swimming there because it was dangerous. Right. But you, I guess you'd have to be a local to have that you knowledge. Yeah. He yeah. was, but probably yeah, didn't have that, that knowledge. Uh, after arriving at Depp's Beach, Mr. Gadd entered the water alone and at some point became distressed. This was witnessed by a bystander who was on the coastline um, who alerted the emergency services by phone. And there was some question about how uh, good the phone reception was at this point in time. And so there may have been some difficulties establishing that uh, emergency call. However, SAPOL Water Operations Unit was mobilised, as well as the Victor Harbour and Gulwa Sea Rescue Squadron. But this was a voluntary service, so it was lucky that they were available at the time. An emergency call through the Sea Rescue Squadron, so the voluntary squadron, was made to nearby vessels on the water, resulting in a private vessel being able to attend and collect Mr. Gadd from the water. This rescue attempt was nothing but courageous, and the individual who attended to help risked his own safety and his own life by doing so. Following retrieving Mr. Gadd and arriving into calmer waters, 
the bystander was able to commence CPR whilst awaiting attendance of further emergency services. But in this time and then availability of arriving back at the beach, there was no uh, life activity found and Mr Gad was declared deceased. The attendance of the private vessel to retrieve Mr Gad was delayed, only by a few minutes though, due to his initially attending a different beach because there was some breakdown in communication about where exactly Mr Gad had become distressed, but it was found by the coroner that this delay wouldn't have resulted in any different outcome for Mr Gad, unfortunately. So coming to the second case was Cameron Gujari, who was a 19-year-old in his second year of study of architecture at the University of South Australia when he died in 2014. He'd not previously learned how to swim, and it's not known if he possessed the skills to swim or keep himself afloat in water. He attended the beach with a number of friends on the afternoon of his death, none of which reported seeing any signage on the way down to the beach describing dangerous waters on the day. However, it is known at the time that there were signs available at this beach known as Petrol Cove. The group waded into the waters with Mr Gujari in his underpants alone, which they suspect may have suggested he'd not intended to swim whilst on the beach that day. A number of the group were ultimately pulled into strong rips and rescue attempts were made by the group and by bystanders. All of the rest of the group were able to be rescued but Mr. Gujari was pulled out the furthest and was ultimately seen to be floating face down in the outward bound rip. Two heroic bystanders who were experienced in the surf were able to reach Mr. Gujari. However, they were unable to retrieve his lifeless body from the surf without the overwhelming risk to their own lives. So ultimately they had to abandon the rescue attempt. Moreover, one of the rescuers himself ultimately ended up in dangerous waters and was required to find a rock in the ocean to support himself and remain there until a rescue helicopter was able to retrieve him oh, wow. due to the exhaustion preventing him from returning to the shore. Damn. So following the rescue attempts for Mr. Gujari's body, it disappeared below the surface of the water and unfortunately was never found despite extensive searches oh, over the coming really? days and weeks. Wow. Yeah, yeah so he was... He, lost at sea. He is lost at sea, yes. Moving on, Mr... Nazir Anwari was almost 19 years of age as well uh, and resided in Australia for only a year when he died in 2014. Prior to moving to Australia, he'd not learned to swim. However, the coronial inquest did find that Mr Anwari was the individual who initiated the trip with his work colleagues to the beach that day. It was clear that the group of individuals were all naive to the risk that the beach posed. Furthermore, the friends and colleagues that attended had stated that there was no warning signs of the danger on the beach noted. But as I previously mentioned, sorry, this was at the same beach as Mr. Gujari, so Petrol Petrol Cove, um, that they are in fact present. However, one of the individuals that was present on the day suggested that even seeing signs wouldn't have dissuaded Mr. Anwari from wanting to enter the water that day. Right. Whilst in the surf, Mr. Anwari and his colleagues became distressed, and in the struggle, he was hit by a large wave and dragged deeper into the waters. His colleagues were otherwise able to make it to safety, but unable to return because they were also uh, all not strong swimmers. Mm. Hence, a heroic bystander that also happened to be on the beach was able to enter the ocean and retrieve him. But again, unfortunately, he remained lifeless during his rescue and CPR attempts were unsuccessful. So these deaths occurred across the two-year time span at two different beaches, but were all common with relatively inexperienced swimmers all being naive to the risks of rips. 
Right. And where those two beaches, how close are they to each other? Are they like the next beach along sort of thing or is there a... Yeah, so they're all west of the bluff at a counter bay of South Australia, which is south of Adelaide. Clearer Peninsula. Yeah, uh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know entirely how close, but they are like adjacent, a number of adjacent beaches along that coast that are all known to have dangerous currents and not be high surf beaches or beaches that are generally intended for swimming yeah you wouldn't go there for a day trip with kids yeah even like surrounding beaches like Galway and Middleton beaches and things like that they're known to have have rips yeah like it's well known by pretty much everyone around there that they're very prone to rips so what's the timeline on this I know you said it happened in a two-year time span but what were the sort of dates I assume it was summer yeah so relatively summer I think David Gadd was in February of 2012 mm-hmm. and then Mr. Gujari was Anzac Day mm-hmm. of 2014 yep. and Mr. Anwari was late, like December, I think, of 2014. Okay. So the, And those were the two that happened at the same beach? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, that they were so close together yeah. and at the same beach. And that nothing had been actioned. Or that, like, what, what was the first one in the news, like... I guess if you don't see it, you don't. Not sure how well yeah. it was publicized, but I think in terms of nothing being actioned, there were adequate. Well, there were signs. Right. Um, the adequacy was a long debate in this inquest in terms of. So as I said, the first beach didn't have any signage, mm-hmm. and it was part of a trail. So there were two entries to the beach, and actually right. the trail you walked from one end to the other end of the beach as part of that trail. So signage was then placed at both ends. But, yeah, certainly wasn't available at the time that Mr. Gadd had gone there. And I guess given he, you know, showed up with his snorkel, you know, maybe he hadn't intended to go into any particular deep waters yeah. and got himself into trouble. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. you're in fairly shallow water, a rip takes you, and all of a sudden you're in deep, deep very, water. really far out. Yeah. yeah. So Petrol Cove is also situated adjacent to a rocky outcrop. So the other difficulty being that when you then are in that rip or in troublesome waters, that there's a risk of colliding with rocks at the same time. Yeah, yeah. and not, not being able <laughs> to. The, you, know, the, you try to, like, get up, get yeah. out of the water, but it's they're spiky just, rocks that you just, just going to yourself on. Yes. Because yeah. you can Absolutely. get crashed against them. It's very interesting. Obviously, the commonality between these three is that they were unfamiliar with their surroundings and were not very adept swimmers. Yeah. Which and also of, adds to that safety at least, risk. At least two of them, right, were from overseas? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, no, hang on. Uh, it was only Mr. Anwari who okay. had uh, immigrated to Australia. I'm not sure about Mr. Gujari, but certainly he'd never learnt to swim. Because yep. it's interesting, I don't know what it's like in different parts of Australia, but I know as part of our school curriculum, was to we learn would to definitely swim. learn yep. how to swim and we were, we were taught about rips and sort of what to, what to do mainly in rips if you get caught in one and how yep. to just swim out to the side and use your side stroke and Absolutely. do your survival. So, it's yeah, it's interesting. Yep. But And Mr. Gujari's um, father, so the second individual um, who didn't know how to swim, his father had said, yes, yeah, certainly we as a family have never taught him how to swim. He might have learned at school, but I'm not really sure. So, right. like, he may have had some swimming experience, but it certainly yep. wasn't an everyday thing, yep. nor did his family feel confident in the surf. So his family would have never... They wouldn't have gone to the beach together as a family. Well, they went, went to for the picnics. They never went to go the in the water. ocean. Yeah. It's interesting. And so 
there was a big long discussion around the the signage about how do we convey that message to people then Mm. and what had actually happened at petrol cove was that there were some signs that basically said danger and depicted an individual swimming with a circle and a cross out suggesting that you cannot swim here yeah do not swim Mm -hmm. and so those signs were getting old and dilapidated and they ultimately decided to change them out one because they were old but two because they worried the local government was worried that depicting that you cannot swim here was not appropriate because they didn't really have any enforcement to actually say you cannot swim just that it's not safe that it's not safe and so they ultimately were changed to ones that said dangerous currents i think and weren't as obviously like you should not swim here it is not advised it was just a like it could be dangerous but even that phrasing of like if you didn't really know much about the surf or Mm. the ocean or swimming what's a current yes like yeah. dangerous current, what like what does that actually mean exactly. for me as a swimmer? Yes. For people who are being on the, around the beach their whole lives and yeah. be like, yeah, that's a dangerous current. I shouldn't yeah. go in there. But people who aren't familiar with that don't know. And again, yeah. so yeah, I had a depiction of a stick figure uh, swimming with a cross through it, but it was adjacent to that dangerous currents bit. So again, not as much of an enforcement of you absolutely cannot swim kind of picture. And yep. did and, it contain yeah. anything? Because I think the signs that are probably most effective are those ones that sort of say danger here. Even if they don't prohibit for swimming, they say there is a risk of injury or death yep. if you do this activity. Like you're not prohibited from doing it, yep. but, yep. but we're, just we're letting giving you, you know. the risk. Yeah. No, no. So they didn't didn't say anything like that. It wasn't yeah. as obvious, nor was, it was all in English only. Mm-hmm. And so the coroner absolutely recommended that in signage be improved at both including referencing the previous drowning deaths that occurred and making a reference that swimming is not advised mm-hmm. yep. and then also suggested including varying languages that reflect the demographics of the immigration and overseas population of south australia so again another improvement not to say that any of these individuals couldn't read english because they mm. all were known to have attended australian schools and so yep. had reasonable english skills but this is about uh, a broader outcome than just yeah. what would have prevented the deaths of these three people yeah. it's more what will prevent the deaths of the majority Major of the population. population and certainly yeah. highlight that there is a higher proportion of those who have immigrated to australia that are less likely to have high swimming skills or significant yeah. for the reasons skills. of they don't learn at a school like yeah that. like i feel like we take for granted that like oh, you know everyone, pretty much everyone in australia can swim yeah. mm-hmm. but then you go to like europe and they're they don't know how to swim. And for us, it's just really strange. Of it. What do you mean you don't know how to swim? Mm-hmm. For exactly. us, it's so much part of our culture that... Because it was, a, it was literally would, a topic yeah. that you had to pass at school. Like, you yeah. had to be out of primary school for two minutes in your clothes. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was a, a Yeah, that's something that we get taught, whereas for yeah. other people, they don't get taught. So It's like I've heard, like, in, in Canada or somewhere like that, where there's a lot of snow, they're, they're taught how to escape from avalanches. Oh, and things yeah, like that, that because it's a survival skill that they yep. need to know. Which is something that I would have no idea. We would be goddess. Well, actually, I've learned that apparently if an avalanche comes, you have to, you're meant to put your hands in front of your face like this. And so you've at least got some oh, like air scoopy space. scoop. You've got air and then you can And you can scoop and scoop your way out. That's get your hands in a oh, right, position. If your hands to... are down by your side, yeah, yeah, so you you're, you're not going to be able to do anything. Yep. But if you get them sort of together and you can kind of. Yep. Yeah, right. And you've at least got in your. Providing yourself air source yep. as well. Somewhat. So just hot tip for everyone. For everyone that's going to get uh, trapped by an avalanche. Thank yeah. you. Well, absolutely. That, that was another recommendation of the coroner to increase public awareness and community learnings and mm. safety campaigns 
to the dangers of the beaches, including strategies by which they can be avoided. And not necessarily just for children, but certainly targeting children. And so one of the most recent things that has happened, which is unrelated to obviously this coroner's case, but that is being enacted by the South Australian surf life saving community is a 2021 campaign called Smashing Water Safety for Six, which is a children's community involvement swimming education session specifically targeted towards children what's cold stand for culturally and linguistically diverse thank you culturally and linguistically diverse families and it's really cute it's a program where they get to go play cricket on the beach and learn beach cricket as well as their surf stuff and so i think that sounds really fun yeah that's adorable i was about to say that's a cricket pun for anyone who doesn't understand i don't don't understand cricket but i got that that's definitely cricket yeah Yeah, yeah, because you're like why is smashing for six uh, yeah yeah, there's um, definitely something about cricket in there but also my um nieces and nephew do nippers and that's a huge thing as well. Mm. Obviously not the culturally and linguistically diverse angle, but yep. that is, there are like hundreds of kids each weekend yep. on the beach. Learning how to swim. Learning that's how right. to swim. And learning yeah. how to swim specifically in the ocean. That's like right. I feel like I'm a reasonable swimmer, but when the I'm in the ocean, I'm just beast. like, and knowing so great about this. those change of risks are for the ocean versus yep. water, like a lake or a pool or a... Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, other than that, There were a number of different other recommendations, including the communication issues that occurred around those vessels being able to attend along Mm. with any kind of emergency service attendance to the others, which it sounds like the two younger men didn't have a lot of need for emergency services. It all happened so quickly that realistically, if there weren't bystanders available, nothing could have been done but certainly there was a lot of discussion around the first individual Mr Gad's distress was a longer period of distress that had the potential to uh, assist him but the communication with poor reception and services available around that area were smaller and as that coast of South Australia is expected and continues to grow they've now established Surf Life Saving Club, another rescue centre And the coroner recommended looking into the feasibility of having a chopper being able to be located and stationed in Goolwa Airport, the most nearby airport, to assist with those kinds of responses, along with some emergency beacons and improvement in the mobile service available. What are those? That's a good question. I'm not entirely sure, but I believe they are with regards to vessels and. Are they not the things that are in the ocean? Yeah, but I was just wondering how they would help. But maybe it could, are they a different colour for a different beach maybe? So you're like, you're looking for the green one. Yeah, okay. Like because otherwise, location. how do you know which beach is which if they're yeah, like multiple true. in a row? Like they're at this beach. If you're on the sea, would you really know which beach is called which? Or even if you like were going to the beach yourself, are there necessarily signs that say you're on this beach? Not necessarily. Like because when you're calling triple yeah. zero, like, where are you? Okay, well, I'm at the beach. Which beach? I don't know. Yeah, it looks like they're a beacon system that then just alert to where the GPS right. like coordinates of that emergency beacon is. But, but from then what I can see it looks like like where the nearest beacon is. No, no, the beacon sends out the distress call of its location to the other emergency services. So they know oh, so that, that, that beacon has been activated. Oh, yeah, okay. so I don't know how that would specifically yeah. help someone drowning. Yeah. But But I guess if you saw someone You'd be like, we're, if you were within eye contact, then at least yeah, if the, someone's on like, the vessel. If they don't have appropriate communication, they can send off their send emergency off the beacon, beacon, and then 
you, you don't even need to talk to someone and be like, where are you? Here's my GPS coordinates. You've yeah. just got the coordinates. Yeah. Distress yeah. signal. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So then there was lots of discussion about, well, should we put flotation devices in the ocean? Does that have a pro or con? So emergency floating flotation buoys, so that if they get themselves into trouble, they can grab something, hold that, and stay there until they can be rescued so that they've got some sort of flotation device. But does that not have an impact on the native marine life? Don't know. <laughs> does that encourage people to go in because they're saying, well, yeah, if you get in trouble, you can grab onto but it? It's easy enough if you're in a rip just to go straight past that. Like, it is, but it's if you out, know, that's out of arm's that. reach. No, no, no. Isn't yeah, like you just sail straight you past just go straight past the board. Like, yeah. Or you're just not close enough to it to grab it. You're too that's tired right. to grab it. That's right. You're so distressed you don't even notice it's there. Yeah. And then the other point that they brought up, which I really enjoyed, was them having a big discussion about people vandalizing and destroying. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's not. I was like, we should just skip over this because people should just not vandalize things. <laughs> like, Especially life-saving flotation devices. I know. I am really sad that they have to have this point if, of the discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, there was a long discussion around, as I said, the sign depicting you cannot swim here. Is there an ability for local councils and governments to just ban and close a beach altogether? Yeah. Yeah, see, your reaction is kind of yeah. what I was thinking of, like, is that a well, bit of an overshoot? Because just you can still be on the sand, like, in the, on the sand, walking along the beach. Yeah. There might be walking trails. Yeah. And how do you patrol that in terms yeah, of, like, what you if can't I dip- put a big fence across where the water is? Like, yeah, if I dip my feet in, is that, yeah, is that which swimming? Is that, but know. also it's public land. Like, no one has yes. ownership over that and no one has the right to close it off. Exactly. Like, there's a certain, I guess, line you've got to draw of mm. people take responsibility and ownership for themselves versus you sort of policing them. Exactly. And, and it, beaches is one of those where it's, it's a line that I don't think should be crossed unless it's like a privately owned beach. Yeah. And the second beach, there certainly were swimmers at that beach on the last of those drowning days where they were confident swimmers. They did feel comfortable in that area of the beach. They knew where the rips were and knew how to avoid those areas of rips and stay safe in other areas and so Mm -hmm. does it mean that they should close off the whole beach just because one individual or now three individuals have have drowned across those Mm -hmm. various beaches is that an overshoot in terms of safety but i can see how you would feel more safe if you're like well there's other people in the water it can't be that bad I, and that was and your talk about. But then you don't know that the ability level of the other people, they might be surf lifesavers. That's right. And very well equipped to deal with that situation. But you as a not a particularly strong swimmer, you see someone else in the water, you think, oh, it must be fine then. Yeah, and so it was talked about that the others that were there were strong swimmers or locals or something mm-hmm. that meant that they knew that beach pretty well. And then yep. this naive group of kids has kind of come along, driven from – further away don't live in that coastal area yeah. and yet yeah, may have gone in because they've seen others in there and thought it was appropriate and thought oh we found a relatively secluded beach yeah and there's other swimmers here so this is safe mm. but then again you know another friend commented that it was never gonna dissuade mr and worry from going in anyway so right he wanted to go for a swim and that's yeah. that yeah and so he was gonna go in no matter what and so that also makes it really hard of would there have been any way to persuade him to go to a safer beach, one that had flags and, yeah. and that kind of thing? Yeah. And yeah. So. And do you know if there's been any drownings at those beaches since? Not at those beaches, but there were some young girls, I think, that did end up getting themselves into trouble. And I can't remember if they got out or not off of different South Australian Fluoro Peninsula beaches, but mm-hmm. not 
not those specific isolated ones, I don't think. I did a quick Google search. I can't see that anyone else has drowned at Petrol Cove, but there were five people rescued in 2016 who got caught in a rip yeah. and had to be rescued. Thankfully, they all survived, but, yeah, a family got stuck in a rip and had to be and were in a serious condition when they got rescued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, so this was released in 2015, so within 12 months of this release. Ugh, yep. that's sad. But I guess they made it out, but they, you know, weren't... They weren't reading the signs. Yeah, and yeah. It, was, it was saying here that so there were bystanders who tried to rescue them. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the family members were not strong swimmers, Yeah, including his two sisters who were caught in the rip first. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, people who were... St- not strong swimmers are still going in yeah. to the water. I'm not a strong swimmer, and so hence I never really weighed beyond my knees beyond because, <laughs> yeah. because I, I just feel like the surf can change so quickly. Yep. But then again, in Adelaide, there's not really any waves. Not normally? <laughs> no, sorry, in South Australian during coast. The, in those yeah. beaches, yeah, they're not huge wave beaches, but they're notorious for rips. They've yep. got rips, but there's no waves. And so the lack of waves... Because they're so flat and they look calm except yeah. for that massive rip. Which but if you're not is, trained to look for a rip. I was, about, I was just about to say that. Like you should be able to see a rip, but if you don't know what you're looking for, then you're not. Yeah. Like, and you if can, you're not even looking for like even if you know what to look for, but you're not looking sometimes for Sometimes they're it. not as easy to see because sometimes they're under the surface. Yep. yep. And if you're not high up enough, you're not going to. You can't see uh, the pattern change. And so Mr. Gad's mother had taught him what a rip was but he was still known not to be a confident swimmer and because he'd only recently learned what they were, whether he'd be particularly good at identifying what yep. rips were. And so it was hard to tell if he was that, yeah, um, able to identify one. Yeah. And look, um, if I'm honest, like if I'm going to a patrolled beach and I'm swimming between the flags, I'm not checking for a rip. No, because I'm like, well, someone's already, already checked, you know, yeah, like the life set, the yeah. lifeguards are looking out for that stuff already. Yeah. Mm. I don't need to check. As long and as I'm between the flags, flags. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, as long as I keep checking that I'm between the flags, I'll be fine, which is yeah. not But it's, it's also like, I feel like we've all been at the beach and it's so easy to drift yes. when you're in the water. Yes. And you do just before you know it, you're completely outside of the flags. Yeah, and, you and you're like, okay, now I need to work to get back to where you are in between them. And then, yeah, I mean, very rarely do I go to a beach without flags now because yeah, I'm the same. it just seems easier and to I, know that there's that safety for yeah. me. But and if I, I am, s- I'm going, yeah, up to my, like, waist. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, never, I'm never having my feet off the ground. Yeah. I'm exactly the same. Like, I'm a competent enough swimmer in the pool. Yeah. I'm yep. completely fine, but I think the beach is a whole different beast. Yeah. Because the reality is people drown at beaches that are manned by lifeguards. Like you, yes. Bondi Rescue, that TV yep. show. It's like, a show. It's literally a show. And, and while in the majority of episodes people don't drown, there are occasional episodes where people drown. And they're beaches that are manned. And yeah, and very, and very heavily Very patrolled. populated and patrolled. It happens. Yeah. No matter how confident a swimmer you are, exactly. sometimes you still end up in a situation where you become in danger. And the, re- the only real way to mitigate that risk is by no one going in the water and that's just never going to happen. That's not the yeah. Australian culture. Not at all. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, there's always going to be a level of risk to it. Always. But I can definitely see the appeal of a nice secluded beach. Yeah, no one like, yeah. have a good wade in. Yep. And it sounds delightful, but, you know, mm. without being overly aware of those huge risks. Yep. It's dangerous. So, yeah. Lesson is, 
Swim between the red and yellow flags. And not kids. Uh, <laughs> kids <are> not. <laughs> read, read the signs. Yeah, read the signs. In. And know your own limits in mm-hmm. terms of going into the ocean. If you're not, and if you're not a competent swimmer, maybe waist deep is. Yeah. Yep. Is where you should go. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's finish that up and see you guys next time. It's an interesting Thanks one. So that one, Thanks. that was yeah, very interesting. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.